This is the American Medical Association's COVID-19 Update Podcast. This is part of an ongoing series featuring critical insights from the physicians and healthcare professionals on the front lines of the pandemic. Hello, this is the American Medical Association's COVID-19 Update. Today, we'll be discussing vaccine distribution with Dr. Marcus Plesha, Chief Medical Officer of the Association of State and Territorial Health Officials, or ASTO, in Atlanta. I'm Todd Unger, AMA's Chief Experience Officer in Chicago. Uh, Dr. Plesha, this is, I think, your third time on the COVID-19 Update. That makes you officially a friend of the show in Stephen Colbert terms. (laughs) So welcome back. It's great to talk to you again. Thanks for having me again, yeah. First question, you know, on a scale of kind of, you know, chaos to well-oiled machine, you know, where are we and how would you characterize the vaccine rollout and uh, where we are right now? I I would never say that it's a well-oiled machine. I think that's asking for trouble. And, and, you know, we've been trying to be pretty clear with everybody that there are going to be bumps in the road and glitches. I mean, we've never done anything of this scale before. Um, And, you know, the, the pressure is great. The outcomes are very important. So, you know, if we want to temper expectations that well oiled machine is just probably not where we can be, but it's it's far from chaos. I mean, I, I think the whole rollout and scale up of the vaccine, um, the COVID vaccine program in the United States has actually gone extraordinarily well. And I, I have to be honest, even in the beginning where people were saying got off to a slow start or I, I really don't think that was true. I think that Everybody was very eager to have the vaccine. Uh, you know, there was a lot of anxiety about that. And I think that played out. But, you know, really, I mean, it does take a couple of weeks just to get things up and running. And that's not a slow start. That's getting things up and running. Yeah, this is, and, a, as you, know, you, you point out, it's all. pretty complex yeah. to yeah, get, to, yeah. to get uh, that scale. And the numbers are definitely telling, you know, a very different story in terms of the number of people that are getting vaccinated every day and every week. You know, what's driving uh, that improvement? Well, you know, I think the big thing that, that happened is that it became clear that the metric was going to be number, that we really needed to just vaccinate as many people as we could, at least to begin with. And so we moved to this system of, you know, states really doing a great deal of these mass vaccination type clinics. And I hope we'll talk about that a little bit more during our time together, because there's benefits to that. I mean, it, it's very, very efficient. But it also means we're not using the clinical community the way that I thought we would from the get-go. And there's, there's, you lose things with that. I mean, I think I'm worried about equity and fairness of vaccination because I don't know the mass vaccination clinics are gonna bring us that. And I'm hoping that we're gonna shift back to an approach where we are using more of the clinical community and allowing for that intimate doctor patient, you know, if you're a little bit, anxious or hesitant about the vaccine, you need to be able to talk to somebody and who better to talk to than, than your doctor. Yeah, we were going to talk about that later, but let's yeah. just kind of dig into that topic now because, okay. you know, we're, you know, we hear from a lot of independent smaller practice physicians that they're feeling like they're not able to participate in this. And for those reasons that you outlined in terms of the kind of trust factor between physician and patient, you know, we're not able to, to, to leverage that right now. And there are real equity considerations there. What's it going to take Supply to, to that. Yeah, it's all it's all about supply, and I think we're going to start to see a shift soon because clearly the supply is picking up. And once we have more vaccine, then we can push it out into these other kinds of settings. 
Unfortunately, I, I think the demand may start to drop off a little bit too. You know, you've got people who are really eager to get the vaccine, but once we get, at some point we're gonna get through them. I don't know what the proportion or percentage is gonna be. Hopefully we'll get a big percent of the population before that happens. But at some point the demand is gonna be more challenging and, and that's gonna be another reason to move it out into clinician offices because that may be a way to get some more of those people on board. But I think we probably need a few more weeks a month for the supply really to pick up and then you're going to see states coming back out. You know, 60% of influenza shots are given through medical practice settings. And I think ultimately we're going to see the same thing for COVID. But early on where there was this real anxiety and people really eager to get vaccinated, I think, you know, what we've learned is in a setting like that, the mass vax clinic is probably the thing to do at least to get things started. And do you, you just clarify in terms of ETA on when we think that kind of supply situation will get fixed? Do you think it's like two months, month? Or what? Where do you think we are? Well, uh, you know, based on what we're hearing from the Biden administration about, you know, everybody who wants a vaccine will have one by May. I mean, if, if that's the case, then I think we're talking about three or four weeks. We're going to start to see significant increases. You know, there's a with the new manufacturing coming in for Pfizer and Moderna. I don't remember which one now. Uh, there's good reason, and with the new Johnson & Johnson vaccine, there's good reason to realize there will be more vaccine. And so I, I think, you know, in three or four weeks, I, I think doc, physicians in practice, you know, a lot of them may start hearing from the state or the local health department about, okay, you know, can we bring you on now? Would you be willing to do some vaccinations? The other good thing is with Johnson & Johnson, with that vaccine, it's going to be a lot easier to get that thing out. It's not as delicate of a vaccine. It's just a single dose. That's probably going to be a lot easier vaccine to get out into physician practices. Yeah, that may, given the uh, storage requirements and kind of freezing right. temperatures that are required, yeah. that seems yeah. like that would kind of unlock yeah. uh, a little bit or knock down a little bit as obstacle right now. Well, if we if we kind of go back to where we were kind of earlier in this process, there were a lot of questions about you know, what was happening when the vaccine was getting to states and, uh, you know, how much of that vaccine was getting into people's arms. There were these kind of questions about that gap. Do you feel like we're now much more in sync with, uh, you know, supply and actually making it into people's arms? I think we've equilibrated a little bit better. And, but I also think that, you know, we've learned what to expect. I think everybody has now come to expect there's always going to need to be a little bit of play in the system. You can't get 100% of your vaccine and get 100% out, you've got to keep some vaccine sort of in reserve so that if you plan a clinic at the end of the week, you have enough vaccine to do that. And what we were finding was, you know, some of the provider systems we were working with, you know, they were reluctant to sort of overuse. They wanted to make sure they had a little bit of stock. And, and then there was the whole issue of wanting to make sure that there were doses in place for people when they came back for their second dose. And I think that's something that really rings true with physicians. It rings true with me. I mean, you know, we're advocates for our patients and we do want to make sure we, you know, we don't want to just leave it to the system that there's a vaccine. We kind of want to know that there's one sitting there or have some pretty good numbers that has a little bit of a fudge factor in there so that people are not going to get let down when they come back for their, for their booster. Okay. Well, you mentioned earlier the Biden administration and the plan to kind of get every adult who wants a vaccine, uh, you know, vaccinated kind of mid to late May. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to find out, let's, let's kind of talk about the math of that in terms of how many people are getting vaccinated every day, what needs to happen to supply to make this a reality. 
Well, uh, you know, it's probably going to have to be even more than two million a day, which is what we're getting towards now. So it's going to have to continue to ramp up. That probably does mean we will con we will try to use mass vaccination clinics. I mean, it's very very efficient, um, and that's that's how you get your numbers soon. I don't mean this critically, but you know, having people go through their doctor's office. I mean, it's 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 not that kind of mass event, and <laughs> that's not what it's supposed to be. But my hope is that as there is more vaccine supply, we can we can supply these mass vaccination clinics, but we can get start getting vaccine out into other kinds of settings, because I think we are going to run into the population that's vaccine hesitant or the or, you know, maybe it's not hesitant. It's just they're a little anxious. I mean, this is a new vaccine. It's made differently. I think people are nervous about it. And I think we're going to hit a point where in order to bring to, to get some of those folks vaccinated, that's where the clinical setting is going to be really important. So my hope is that we have both working in concert. The, the clinician physician side is maybe bringing a little bit more of the equity and fairness, which I feel like we're missing right now. The mass vax is about trying to get, you know, as many people who want to be vaccinated, um, vaccinated by the time we get to May. Yeah, and we are hearing, you know, just, you know, there are obviously efficiencies in that, but, you know, it, it does presuppose that you can get there. Yeah. Um, and a lot of other kind of assumptions that work against equity. Uh, are you hearing any of the kind of other obstacles uh, in that regard? Well, you know, the big thing that works against, against equity is when you go to a mass vaccination clinic, you go to get vaccinated. You don't go to talk about it. You've made the decision you're going to get vaccinated. And so you go into this place where they'll give you the vaccine. And some people are going to need to talk about it. And particularly when we talk about equity and particularly racial and ethnic communities where we often see much more hesitancy, we got to have ways to engage those people. I think the medical setting is one um, because people have this trusting relationship with their provider. I do think there's other venues will go to as well, uh, you know, other trusted sources, faith community for, for many racial and ethnic groups is going to be very important. So again, as the vaccine supply picks up, I think we'll be able to use those resources more and more. You took care of the nation. It's time for the nation to take care of you. The AMA stood by America's physicians and patients during the pandemic, and we're not stopping there. We're fixing prior authorization leading the charge on Medicare payment reform, supporting telehealth, fighting scope creep, and reducing physician burnout. It's time to rebuild, and the AMA is ready. To learn more about the AMA Recovery Plan for America's Physicians, go to ama-assn.org slash time to rebuild. Do you think uh, or do you see any examples of where, you know, there are really effective uh, measures uh, to address vaccine hesitancy? Yeah, I, I mean, the, the Centers for Disease Control in a lot of the states use this vaccine with confidence approach. And that's multifaceted. But one of the big pieces of that is the idea that people make often will make their decision about getting vaccinated by talking to their providers. So the whole vaccine with confidence program is about really in giving providers the skill set and talking points and, and, you know, education about, you know, when somebody asks you if they should get vaccinated, how do you make a really convincing case to them so that they will do it? And so I think that's a very good program. And, and we've seen that work well. Um, you know, clearly some of these community based organizations we haven't reached out to them quite as much so far because because we've got a limited supply of vaccine. You don't want to, you know, we've already overpromised this vaccine early on and caused a lot of frustration and chaos. And I think 
we're, we're needing to kind of titrate a little bit um, when we start to go to some of those groups because we don't want people to then become motivated to get vaccinated and then they can't get the vaccine for weeks. Yeah. So. Do you have any advice for physicians that uh, you know want to play a larger role in distribution and in vaccine efforts? Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, make sure that you have signed on with the state as a vaccine provider. There's sort of a formal agreement that you have to go through. Uh, it, it can feel a little cumbersome because of some of the reporting requirements. But then, you know, everybody everybody who's watched the news probably realizes now why those reporting requirements are so important. I mean, we, we need to be able to show that we, as we bring on more provider systems, particularly, we need to show that those are effective and that, you know, we are getting we are getting the doses that we're providing in those settings out into people's arms. But the important thing with the provider community is also if if, if we can really fine tune some of the reporting so that we can show that by going to these settings, we're dealing with some of the equity issues. And that's going to be things like, you know, really fine tuning, making sure that, you know, your systems, your EHR or whatever kind of data systems that you're using to communicate back to the state, make sure that that you've got the race and ethnicity in there. One of the things I, I was hearing just this morning is that we think one of the challenges with the low percentage of data we have on race and ethnicity in the vaccination data so far, we think one of the things is that the providers, um, they they haven't they haven't collected that data when the patient first starts with them. A lot of times the race and ethnicity data, the race and ethnicity question gets asked by somebody when they're there as a new patient and they're doing that whole enrollment thing. And, you know, once I'm seeing you as your doctor, I mean, you know, I, I, you're sitting there with me. I kind of know who you are. And so a lot of clinicians may just not realize that the race and ethnicity piece is not in their system. And so one of the things we're asking providers to do is providers and, you know, practice managers, take a look at your system and sort of see how you are on that. And it may be that, that you need to do some updating on that when even when established patients come back just to double check and make sure that that data has been collected. Because it's going to be very, very important if we want to really monitor and make sure we're doing this in an equitable way. And that wouldn't necessarily, or would it be collected at a mass vaccination center where they're not starting with that kind of relationship to begin with? Because that's a that's really sort of a new encounter and a new patient for them. I think they realize everything they want to know about that person, they're going to have to connect, collect right there and then. I think the, the issue in practice setting is that a lot of clinicians just don't realize that, that you know, you know, some patient you've been seeing for 20 years, I mean, that may not have even been one of the data fields 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm getting at is it's, it's maybe some of the older patients that they just never really got into when they got put in the system, that data wasn't collected. And so we think that could be a really good way to make that particular piece more complete. Well, as we uh, ramp up on vaccinations, uh, public health officials have also warned states about lifting restrictions like, like mask mandates too soon. You know, what are your thoughts on how states have been reapproaching, uh, approaching the reopening and how do physicians play a role in states that have been moving, you know, what might be considered too quickly? Well, uh, you know, physicians are the trusted experts in states. Um, you know, my own experience when I was starting out as, as a physician in North Carolina and I would go and talk to my state legislator, I mean, he or she always took me very seriously and was very respectful of the perspective I brought. And I think we need more of that advocacy, more of that science and health side speaking out and saying, yeah, we know that everybody's eager to reopen. You know, we know for whatever reasons that some people don't feel that wearing masks is some infringement of their on their freedom. But, you know, we've got to we've got to hang in there a little bit longer. And and 
policymakers listen to physicians. I, I think we forget that, especially those of us who work in big medical care systems that are very sort of administrative and corporate. Um, you know, you may or may not get feel like you get heard there, but when you talk to your policymakers, I, I think that you'll find that they appreciate that that expertise you bring because they want to make most of them want to make really good decisions. That's absolutely true, and that's a big reason why we have uh, the COVID nineteen update is make sure those physician voices are heard. Uh, any any final thoughts on the vaccine rollout uh, before we conclude? Well, I'd say just you know, for for those who are a little frustrated that they're not part of the the uh, administration yet, you know, just hang in there, be patient. Uh, I mean, I think people are beginning to realize it is this supply and demand thing, but you know. That's how we've always done it: is using physicians, using medical care settings, and so we're we're going to go we're going to go back to that, and that's where um, you know the the, the physician and, and medical practice is going to be so important. So you know, be patient on that. And then you know, the other thing is be ready to talk to patients about it because some of them are going to have questions and be anxious, and and you know, there's reasons to be anxious, and you know, be ready for questions about things like you know, is one better than the other? That's going to have to be something you really think through because you because they are the, the we are lucky to have three excellent vaccines, and we need to be really careful that you know. J and J doesn't somehow get cast as being inferior because it's not, but people will believe it when their physician tells them that they may not believe it when they're hearing it through the media or other places. That is so important. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Plesha, for being here today and sharing your perspective. That's it for today's COVID-19 update. We'll be back with another segment shortly. For information on COVID-19, visit ama-assn.org slash COVID-19. Thanks for joining us. Please take care. This content was originally published as part of the AMA's COVID-19 daily video updates. Find the latest at ama-assn.org slash COVID update. Subscribe to other great AMA podcasts available wherever you listen to yours or visit ama-assn.org slash podcasts. Thank you for listening.